Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... For our shoppers, on the other hand, this community has provided a way for them to connect with their local artisans, their their neighbour up the road who they didn't realise was actually making and selling shampoo or soap out of their home. I guess what I've observed and seen is a huge community that we've been able to build for both shoppers and sellers. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 426 of Impact Boom. My name's Sarah, and I'm passionate about visioning, empowering, and contributing to initiatives that are causing positive, creative, regenerative, heart and soul-led transformation locally and globally. Today, we're speaking with Sarah Colcord. Sarah is the founder of Choice, New Zealand's largest Facebook group and biggest small business marketplace. Since its launch in 2020, Choice has helped thousands of local creators and artisans on the platform to generate over $6 million in sales. Sarah was recently named Global Entrepreneurship Network's New Zealand Social Entrepreneur of the Year. On today's podcast, we will discuss what exactly led Sarah to play a pivotal role in reigniting and linking small businesses across New Zealand Aotearoa how Sarah and her community are helping New Zealanders to shift their buying behaviour and what some of the powerful ripple effects have been since. Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today. No worries. A pleasure. Sarah, it's awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Not a problem. To start off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what it is that has led to where you are today? So... I am a young Polynesian woman here in New Zealand, Aotearoa, and I like to say that I've done a lot of things in my very short life. I have a background in community development, youth work, politics. I was a politician for a little bit, but most recently I have become a full-fledged businesswoman and have pretty much thrown myself in the deep end of entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship and the business world and the tech space. So today I find myself as the CEO and founder of a marketplace here in Aotearoa called Choice, which I launched in my bedroom during COVID-19, the height of it when New Zealand first went into lockdown. And it's just been this crazy journey of business and tech and yeah, the whole shebang ever since. (laughs) Wow. And I think in addition to some of the other roles that you mentioned, you're also a serial founder of other businesses too. So including Choice. And can you tell us more about Choice and what Mm. it is that you're doing there with your team and the impact that you've been generating? 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, Choice is an e-commerce marketplace where small businesses, whether that's local artisans, creators, craftspeople, can come to our platform and set up a storefront, list their products and essentially get themselves online as quickly and as easily as possible and really help them to start selling, which is a huge problem for a lot of our small businesses who aren't too tech savvy, have low cost, you know, need, need to invest quite, don't have quite the amount of funds to invest in a full-fledged website, but really just need to get themselves online to be able to compete in that digital space and the digital economy. Um, and so that's what Choice is. We're an e-commerce marketplace where they can get a turnkey e-commerce solution pretty much straight away and start selling immediately. Since our launch in 2020, we've done some pretty incredible numbers. So we have over 3,000 vendors or small businesses on our platform using Choice. We've had over 200,000 products sold through our platform that has generated over $6 million for these small Kiwi businesses, which has made a huge difference in their lives for a lot of them. So yeah, pretty incredible numbers, if I could say so myself. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. What have you observed as a shift for both the small enterprises and the customer base? Has there been any interesting shifts in perceptions or behaviours as a result of bringing choice into the space in in New Zealand? Mm. Yep, absolutely. So we're finding that a lot of our vendors who use choice have a huge sense of community and belonging to our platform, something that they couldn't find previously in, in other platforms, which is really beautiful for us. I don't think I mentioned this yet. We have our e-commerce website, but we've also got New Zealand's largest Facebook group that works alongside our website platform and so we've got this huge community of over half a million people in this Facebook group and for our vendors this provides again a sense of belonging a place to connect with consumers to find loyal shoppers and for our shoppers on the other hand this community has provided a way for them to connect with their local artisans their, their neighbour up the road who they didn't realise was actually making and selling shampoo or soap out of their home. I guess what I've observed and seen is a huge community that we've been able to build for both shoppers and sellers. So, yeah. Okay. So, Sarah, you mentioned you're a politician. I'm sure that there's probably people asking or curious about how that happened and what that looked like for you. So I was 19 at the time. I had finished high school and I, at that point, was already three years deep into doing a lot of community and volunteer work locally. And I had reached a point, again, which was the third year, (laughs) where I decided there must be more for me in this space because I love being grassroots, but I actually want to make a wider, more deeper impact. And for me, that's in policies that's in on a um, council level so when I was 19 I ran in the local elections and by the time I was elected which I was I had just turned 20 and so I entered politics as a fresh-faced 20 year old in 2016. I spent three years so I did one term in what we call Auckland Council. It was exhausting (laughs) but it was so worth it and I had a lot of learnings and lessons come out of that time, as you would as a 
20, 21 year old, 22 year old politician. And after that one year, that was it. <laughs> On to the next thing for me. But it was an incredible time. And I am very, really proud of the, the impact that I was able to make during that short period. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. What are some of the inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across lately? And I'm sure that in your role in the community and with choice, there's probably a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, curious to to get your observations on what you've come across that's really creating positive social change. Mm, in the sense of, like, those who use choice? Can be those who use mm. choice or it can be just in the world mac- at a macro or a micro level? Mm. On an impact level in terms of choice, we've seen some pretty awesome success stories come out of choice. One of them that always sticks with me and that I always love talking about is this mother and daughter duo based in Auckland, again, here in New Zealand. And they originally were the farmer's market every weekend. And it wasn't until they promoted themselves and set themselves up on choice that they got out of the farmer's market and are now finding that their products are in countdown supermarkets, or as you would know them as Woolies, supermarkets across the whole country, which is pretty awesome. They love to share that story of without choice, they would still be at the farmer's market. And we love to hear those stories, but we also love to be like, this is what we live for. This is our bread and butter is to see our small artisans, those people at farmer's markets go beyond that and actually become huge, become successful household brands and names. So, yeah, that, I guess, is one level of of that by a – I'm a little bit biased because she's a good friend of mine, but I think she is doing incredible work, her and her co-founder, Itiroa and Julia. They run an organisation here in New Zealand called Fibre Fale. They've only been around for, I think, must be a year now, but the impact that they've had in the digital equity space has been like phenomenal. They exist to bridge the digital divide here in Aotearoa around Māori and Pacific people's access to technology, their pathways into the digital tech space. And so there's obviously a huge need for this work to be done. They're literally on the front lines doing this every day. So I'm a huge fan of their work. For me, what's been inspiring is obviously watching their journey over the last year and how the organisation has blown up massively. But also it's challenged me to think about on a choice level, how choice can play a role in the digital equity space and in solving that for Māori and Pacific entrepreneurs and helping them to access the digital economy and the role we can have in that. So I love it. (laughs) I love it. And for people who are not aware of what that digital divide does look like for mm. Maori Pacific Islander and potentially other people in New Zealand, could you speak more into that to, to show us and to tell us more about what that looks like for people? Mm. So it's massive here in Aotearoa. So our Maori and our Pacific people are obviously at the crux of that, at the bottom end of digital equity um, looks like digital well-being, digital access, and their participation in, in the digital economy, essentially. We can certainly say that Māori and Pacific people live at the bottom of those, those stats. On a frontline example, during COVID, the height of COVID-19, we saw a lot of our educational sector shift to online, but the challenges with that was that 
a lot of our Māori and our Pacific people did not have access to devices and therefore they couldn't participate in their own education. <laughs> and so we had organisations like Etiroa and Julia from Fiberfale out there on the front lines providing solutions such as laptops to help bridge that gap and provide access to give these specific peoples and these specific families access to what everyone else was having <laughs> during that time, which was accessing the education. They've done a lot of work in that space. Most recently, a lot of the work is looking for them, showing our Māori and Pacific high schoolers what a career in tech could look like for them, which is often not something that our Pacific people, our Māori people are first to jump into, software development, the data sector, the cyber sector. These are not front of mind for them, but they are absolutely where our industries are heading into is technology and the digital evolution revolution and so it's really important that we are supporting our Māori and Pacific people to start thinking about having careers in those spaces yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah that digital equity access skilling and career opportunities so important and education yeah absolutely yeah Hmm. Sarah, to finish off, what are some books or resources that you would recommend to our listeners? At the moment, I am reading, and I've just slipped my mind, so let me just find it. I, yeah, I knew it was a Brene Brown book. (laughs) (laughs) She's pretty popular on our podcast. (laughs) I know, I'm sure. I think being a founder is you have to have Brene Brown in your library. It's just a prerequisite at this point. I'm reading her latest book at the moment, which is Atlas of the Heart, which again is just, she just always nails it. Really recommend that one. But my favourite one out of all of the ones that she has is still Dare to Lead. I think that one's really important. Yeah, it's something I always refer back to, especially when things get a bit tough in the founder life, just going back to her words around courage and, again, daring to lead is things that just continue to motivate me and get me through some of those times where I'm just like, why am I in this space? (laughs) Why should I still be here? (laughs) Yeah, so any book by her is is just going to work. (laughs) Yeah, amazing, Sarah. I'm curious, just as you're saying, and I appreciate the real talk of the bumpy road that it is, Mm. leadership, are there any key learnings that you would like to share with our changemaker community? Absolutely. The, the question probably is, which learning should I provide? I know. I, <laughs> how many hours do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I think the most crucial learning I've had since the start of my journey was the importance of who you surround yourself with during these times of building your business is really, really important. There's two parts to that. So the first part is that in hindsight, it's a great thing because now we know, you don't know what you don't know at the time, but I know now that I should have had a coach or an advisor or a mentor during the building of my business. So the first couple of years, and I wonder now where my business would have been, where I would have been professionally as well if I just had a coach or mentor during that time, really foundational stuff. So really important to have the right voices. Um, And then the other part is who you have in your team 
and in the circle around that team. So the advisors around your business, not just you as an individual, but those speaking into your business, those wanting to invest in your business, those on the sidelines, and again, those actually on your team as those founders. It's really important to have the right people there. Otherwise, it can be a very costly lesson that you learn, a very time-consuming lesson. And I've been there and I've done that, unfortunately. But it's just one of those things you you learn as a business owner. That's my lesson to the community. Just make sure you have the right people in your circles. Mm. Amazing. Sarah, thank you so much for your generous time, insights, no and sharing, and love what you're doing with Choice and with the broader community. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.